Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hi, we're going to start the big Thursday show here in just a second. But if you're interested in listening to all the things that we have to offer on the Patreon page, everything that's there, here's how you can do that. For just $15 per month at Patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show, you can get the ultimate edition of this podcast And it's entirely commercial-free. We take out all the commercials. The Ultimate Edition, by the way, also includes the Shadow Docket at the end, exactly as we record the show. Plus, you get the exclusive Friday After Party podcast with me and Kimberly. You get to post your own blogs in the Member Post tab. You get to download the app and participate in the new chat room feature. And a whole lot more, all for just $15 per month. That's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. And now let the cartoons begin. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Hello, Seska. You're looking radiantly maternal. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Thursday, October 26, 2023. And this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hello there, my name is Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1009 of the Biden-Harris administration, 375 days until the 24th presidential election. You find me on Threads... I'm there a lot right now. And Instagram, the Bob says, got a brand new video up on Instagram of me at Gettysburg. It's silly and stupid, and you might enjoy it. All right. Also, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, spoutable Bob Seska. Patreon page is bobseskashow.com. And oh my God, we're doing this again. Yeah. Jody on the show. Mm-hmm. That's what we're waiting for. I'm going to talk with Seska. Seska. T-Rex some more. Yeah, not T-Rex, not today. Nothing really close to Jody on the show. We're Seska. Seska. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks, Craig Bierko. That's so nice of him to add the extra Seska. No, I just did that myself. Hi, Jody. Hello, sir. Jody Hamilton, of course, is the executive producer of the Stephanie Miller Show. StephanieMiller.com, also Patreon.com slash Stephanie Miller Show. So go support that fun, excellent radio program that I love so much, that we all love. Okay, Jody. So um, David Ferguson is not here today. T-Rex is not here today. He's still feeling uh, sickly from his uh, situation with his toe, with his awful, awful toe. The toe monster continues to win this battle, but the war is not over. Exactly. Exactly. I I think David will be triumphant. Plus, you're going on vacation next week, right? I am. Uh, Sean Comiskey will be running cameras, and Chris will be doing the producing for the lady. Excellent. Well, have a great vacation. Well-deserved, well-earned. Uh, it'll be it'll be weird. Yeah. 
yeah. to not have to get up at two thirty in the morning. But um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to the time off, yeah. and then we get back, and then you know, back shot out of a cannon. So, so my assumption is you won't be here on this show next week either, right? Is that the no? Case? I'll okay. be home. By then. Oh, you'll be home. No, I, oh, so I thought it was oh, the whole week. Oh, no. so they're gonna do an Edith Bunker. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, no, no, no. I can do the show next week. You'll hey, be the easiest part. It'll be easy peasy. Awesome. I love it. So does Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yeah, he loves it too. <laughs> Oh, shit. Well, you know, I feel awful for David. He just can't catch too. a break in all seriousness. Yeah, yeah. So he's having some stomach issues okay. today. And any support, I'm sure, emotional, moral, et cetera, will be uh, well, uh, well appreciated by David. So anyway, um, I considered, Jody doing what Stephanie did on her show this morning, which is to not play all of the silly jingles and things like that on today's show because of this tragedy that we add to the list of tragedies involving firearms in this country. And I decided ultimately that because this show is listened to on a significant delay in many cases, where some people will listen this afternoon, some people will listen tonight, some people will listen tomorrow, a lot of people won't listen till like the beginning of next week or something like that. So I figure... We'll keep the format of the show, but we have to talk about what happened in Lewiston, Maine, and the uh, futility, it seems, sometimes with firearms in this country. Like, what do we do? What can be done? Um, the, the shooter in this case is still at large. Yes, he is. And he's frightening because he's got training that we paid for. Yeah. And I don't want to mention the guy's name. I'm at that point now where I don't think it's beneficial to even talk about these shooters by name because I sometimes wonder if there's a component of look at me, look at me when it comes to some of these things. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the case with this. I, I don't right. believe that may be the case. I, I, just, I think this guy is suffering from some severe mental disorders, obviously, we're talking about another mass shooting with an AR-15 at this point. What is it, 18 now? 18 or 19 people? I believe people? so. Yeah. 18 f- confirmed um, and 13 more yeah. that uh, uh, are known wounded. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and there's uh, some are in critical condition, some are not. So it's it's just awful. Yeah. I, I, it's, we're going to have Fred Gutenberg on tomorrow. Oh, that's great. Uh, because unfortunately, everybody, you know, wants to tread people like him out when anything like this happens. And he's yeah. been very gracious to to agree to come on after this because, you know, it stirs up his trauma. Yeah. Well, the saddest uh, thing or one of the many sad things about situations like this is that with every new mass shooting, there's a new gaggle of experts who have firsthand mm-hmm. experience in those mass shootings, whether it's someone who is there on the ground during the shooting or a family member or a law enforcement officer who was in the mix, et cetera. This continues on and on. So there sadly will be many, many more Fred Gutenbergs unless Mm -hmm. we get a handle on this ridiculousness. And I say ridiculousness intentionally because my first reaction when I heard this news last night and I, I feel terrible because I didn't hear about the news until after I was on with John saying. Otherwise, I would have mentioned it with him. But uh, once I did, I, my reaction was more or less the same as it always is, which is that 
another mass death and terror event as the consequence of a paranoid hobby. Because so so much of gun ownership now, I mean, I get it that some people have firearms because they desperately need it for self-defense or they desperately need it to get food for themselves. But those are, I think those are outliers statistically when it comes to firearm ownership. When we're talking about more firearms in this country than there are human beings in this country. That indicates to me that you've got quite a few hobbyists. People yeah. who just, they just, don't you see that, Jody, where they just, they collect the firearms because the firearms are cool and it's a hobby and it's something they could do that feeds into the toxic masculinity on top of this gun culture that is as old as the republic itself. I mean, mm-hmm. when we're talking about the founding of this country based on a revolution, when we're talking about frontier life where you needed a, a firearm in order to survive, when you're talking about the Old West or you're talking about the American Civil War, when you're talking about the major events that we discuss when we discuss American history, and those events tend to circulate around, well, this war happened. And then yada, 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 years go by, and then this war happens. So we'll stop here, talk about this war, and then yada, 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 we get to another war. And that seems to be the the mile markers in the discussion of American history. I think secondary to that is whoever was president at the time. But mainly, we go to, okay, well, this was the Civil War era. Okay, this was the World War II era. Or this was the Spanish Right, exactly. There are eras. We have fucking eras. Yeah, yeah. Vietnam War era. Korea War era. I mean, and that's just American versions of stuff. Right, right. So the idea is that using firearms, solving problems at the point of a gun is so woven into the DNA of the United States. And I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not saying anything that's new. I've said this a million times. A million other people have said this a million times. But in this case, it bears repeating because it adds this layer of sacrosanct reverence to firearms. Where if I go out in public and I say, yeah, you know what? This firearm thing in the United States, it's a fucking hobby. It's something people do on the weekends to keep themselves from relentlessly masturbating all the time. And I'm not saying that. It's not a joke. This is, I'm, I'm being deadly serious about this. There's a lot of people in this country who will die for their hobby, to protect yeah. their hobby. Mm-hmm. Or at least say they will. I mean, because you get a lot of, I mean, obviously, gun ownership goes hand in hand with just rank cowardice in so many cases. And whenever I diminish firearm ownership by referring to it as a hobby, I always get pushback because of that sacrosanct view of firearms in this country. Hooey. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's all, again, it's all in service of protecting this hobby. And Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I kind of try to cut to the centerpiece of why firearms are so revered and and so in demand to purchase, especially something like the AR-15. And the AR-15, which was used in Lewiston, Maine, the AR-15 is maybe a perfect example of what I'm talking about because the AR-15 is desirable by these hobbyists because it's so well-designed. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about an actual mechanical functional way, which is also well-designed. 
especially when you add a bump stock or an extended magazine. Right. But it looks like something from a Rambo movie. It does. It looks like Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. It, when you have one of those things, and we're talking about a lost generation in many ways that didn't go and fight overseas. In the case of the shooter in Maine, he did. He was a military veteran. Mm-hmm. But in many cases, these gun hobbyists, these weekend warriors, we see these videos on, on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter all the time of these guys doing these bullshit military exercises out in the woods, looking like that Star Wars kid from 20 years mm-hmm. ago who had the fake lightsaber and was like falling over himself. Kind of looks like that. They get into these hobbies where it's really all about the camaraderie of the club or their little stupid make-believe militia and then buying the tactical gear from mm-hmm. any number of retail stores on top of Amazon.com, which also sells this tactical. Like, why the fuck do you need tactical gear in 2023? Nobody needs tactical gear that lives in these United States that is not an army person going off to war. I mean... Part of what I was going to discuss today in this context was Sean Hannity on his show last night. And I was oh going to, I was going to, I was going to tease him. Let's play this tape. Let's play this tape of Sean Hannity talking about the, uh, the shooting in Maine last night. And he was talking with Nikki Haley, presidential candidate, Nikki Haley about what will you do? What, what kind of protection do you have? Here we go. What, what bothers me in this, it, I could literally probably count the seconds before an incident like this becomes politicized. And that part of it I never like, because that's not gonna bring back lives. And then I always ask the question, when something like this happens, what is your plan, what do you do? I have a personal security plan. I train in mixed martial arts. Okay, that's Napoleon Hannity thinking his eight-week program with Rex Kwando will stop a shooter who's armed with an AR-15 and extended magazine. Yeah, I mean, somebody with a gun versus the best MMI, MM whatever the fuck, yeah. um, mixed martial dudes, the best <laughs> be MMD. Conor McGregor yeah. could not fight a bullet. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. You cannot punch a bullet. This is just no. absolutely ludicrous. But it gives you the idea, it gives a, a good sense of what kind of uh, ideas, ridiculous ideas people have in their heads about these things. There's a a fiction that circulates around these circumstances where Sean Hannity thinks that he can, what, roundhouse kick his way out of a mass shooting? I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Mixed martial arts? Are you kidding me? Yeah. There is no way to escape a mass shooter other than running for your life. And how much longer do we have to exist in this country running for our lives because of a paranoid hobby? Another stupid idiot came out last <laughs> night and said that we should start arming teachers. Yeah. <clears throat> which is another big response from idiots when it comes to these mass shootings. The lieutenant governor of Georgia says he wants to pay teachers $10,000 a year to carry guns in schools. Some will take them up on it. Oh, yes, of course. The thing is, it's inevitable that students will get a hold of those guns. Of course they will. 
Yeah. To get a hold of everything a teacher has. Are you kidding me? First of all, the arming of teachers is a huge payday for the gun lobby and the gun manufacturers. That's the idea about this initially. It has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It has everything to do with enriching the gun lobby and the gun manufacturers. That's what this is all about on top of paying the teachers $10,000 to carry firearms. Ridiculous. What we need now are more guns in schools, right? I mean, have none of these people watched 80s teen movies? <laughs> or any teen movie, for that matter. Any that has uh, that has a classroom situation. Teachers have to lock their desks just so their purses and, you know, valuables don't get stolen, let alone a fucking gun. Yeah. Well, and then kids in- inevitably get those keys and unlock the desk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So it doesn't matter how well they secure those firearms. And if... Mm. I mean, what good are they anyway if they're locked in a vault that takes five minutes to unlock? And that's always, you know what, that's, okay, that is where when people go, oh, I keep my gun for, for uh, you know, household protection, but it's locked and the bullets are in another part of the house. I'm like, so how do you protect yourself when it takes 20 minutes to get the fucking gun? Yeah, I mean, it's, honestly, it's like if it's for protection, it should be right by your side, fully loaded at all times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just look at any Matthew Broderick movie from the mm-hmm. 1980s. <laughs> where he's just got an old style, like 1980s version of a modem, and he's hacking mm-hmm. into the school mainframe and changing his grades. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is—I mean, obviously, we're talking about a, a fictional uh, storytelling. Yeah, exactly. We're just, but at the same time, it, it's something that is based on real life. I mean, Absolutely. we all remember being in school. We all remember how kids would get a hold of, you know, copies of tests, copies of quizzes. My nephew got a, t- a hold of the uh, master key at his boarding school. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There's a great and example. And almost got kicked out. Yep, yep. Um, and he was lucky to not get kicked out. There's one vote on this board that they have, which is students and teachers, and uh, he got lucky that, that they didn't boot him and his friend. They both, you know, and they went to like the science lab and, you know, they just kind of checked out stuff. Yeah. But yeah, he found that he got a hold of the master key, which means that's not secured well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not just kids who will get their hands on those firearms. Yes, thank it, you. It'll be other teachers or yeah. cu- maybe the custodial staff or someone who yeah, breaks in. Right, or someone who breaks into the school. I mean, public schools are not the best financed institutions in the world. No, not at all. So therefore, they don't have the greatest security when it comes to these sorts of things. I I don't know. Are we at that place now where we all feel a little bit of that paranoia when we go out? I know some people who are, you know, especially when something like this happens, they go, geez, do I really want to go to the grocery store today? Do I really need to go to the shopping mall and pick up that thing? This is why I like the internet. I can order things to come to my house. And, and well, the thing is, this particular shooting, I don't peg this shooting as, and obviously it's, it's difficult to know because they haven't caught the guy yet. Right. But I don't peg this shooting uh, as being overt terrorism. Like no, I think he's, he's obviously, I mean, he checked himself in. I mean, he, he told people, I want to do this, and then they still gave him a fucking gun. Officials with Central Maine Medical Center said three of the injured people were in critical condition, five were hospitalized, but stable. So it's right. possible some of the, the wounded will eventually pass on, too. So, you know, yeah. we're not at the end of this yet. No, not close. So it's, it's, again, it's hard to peg what this is other than a deranged individual 
who should never have been able to own a firearm, but yet somehow was able to get a firearm. And I know in Maine, there are no red flag laws. There's more like nope. a, what do they call it? A yellow slip law? Yeah, Maine? it's a yellow flag or yellow slip. And, and apparently it's harder to get Sudafed than it is to get a gun. Jesus Christ. Like if you went and got something that had Sudafed in it today yeah. and you wanted to get more tomorrow, you can't do that because you can make meth out of pseudoephedrine. Yeah. Um, that's why they, and they write your name down. I mean, we don't even sell it here in California. You can't get anything with pseudoephedrine in it anymore. Yeah. Um, pseudoephedrine, excuse me, the actual drug. Um, you can't buy, pseudoephedrine's been off the shelves for years and now NyQuil and all the other ones, they don't even have it in there. So, yeah. Yeah. but when it did, initially, you had to give your ID to pick up only one thing. If you had a family that was super sick, you couldn't pick up more than one NyQuil in the city yeah. for days. But it's just, it's ludicrous that an AR-15 is easier to purchase than mm-hmm. Sudafed. More deadly than Sudafed could yeah. be. Of course, uh, of course. Uh, so, yeah. Um, one thing that I, I go back to is, what we were talking about last Thursday, Jody, which is the increased prevalence of people telling pollsters, at least, that violence is becoming a, a greater and yeah. greater uh, possibility for a uh, you know, solution to problems. Where more and more people, even on the left, are saying, yes, violence is justified when we're you know, motivated by X, Y, and Z. And it, it goes hand in hand to me with the disillusionment with democracy in this country, where a lot of people, and I had a great conversation yesterday with Jeff Charlotte, the author of The Undertow, Scenes from a Slow Civil War. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people who feel as though they can't exercise the proper levers of democracy. They are unable to convince people that this issue is right, or this solution is right, or this thing is wrong, or this. And so instead, instead of using the typical levers of a democracy, which is, you know, votes, activism, words, persuasion, instead, we're like, ah, fuck it. Just shoot it. Just shoot that thing. Mm -hmm. And why not? And so I think these things kind of go hand in hand in a way. And it's not democracy's fault. It's just, I think we've gotten to a point in the United States where so many of us can't digest all of the things all at once that we're faced with. You know, there's this okay. other <clears throat> aspect, this frustration that I think drives some of these mass shootings where there's so much information that falls in our laps over the course of a day. And I don't know if we as a society or we as humans who have evolved over hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years, are at that point where we're capable of digesting all of that. It used to be that, you know, the worst thing you had to worry about through the course of the year is whether the crops are going to be okay. Whether it's going to be too hot or too cold for the crops and keep keeping track of the crops or keeping track of your herd of uh, uh, cattle or whatever. That was like the one big thing that we all had to freak out about every year, generally speaking. Now it's 100,000 things every day as we scroll through social media. And I think what that does is that contributes to a sense of futility. Like, okay, well, it's impossible to tackle all of this shit. Like, for example, if you've ever had, 
just immense amounts of financial debt. A lot of us had debt going into the Great Recession that helped mm -hmm. to, whether it was housing debt or whether it was credit card debt, et cetera, that we had to somehow unravel. And I was right there with everyone else. <laughs> I had immense debt. And I remember staying up at night going, oh my God, how the hell do I even begin to grasp this? You know, I would do the calculations in my head, I'd do the math. Or like, okay, God, even if I paid $1,000 a month for however many months, however many years, I still would barely even make a dent in this debt. And so it's like, it, it accumulates, it snowballs to the point where you feel like you can't, you can't get ahead of it. You can't get a grasp on it. And I think for a lot of people, what that ends up doing is that ends up making them give up and say, there's got to be some other way to wiggle out of this. And I'm not talking about debt specifically. That was just a metaphor. But in terms of all the, the various forms of crisis that we face every day, whether it's something that happens at work or whether it's politics or a combination right. of both <laughs> or news events or family members and so forth, everything piles up and snowballs. And, and uh, sometimes with social media, it's a very lonely place as well. Yeah. Um, where you want to, you're, you're waving your arms for attention. And when the attention doesn't come, it's very disheartening and depressing and so forth. And so how do you, how do you get out of that? And I think some people say, well, look, you know, I can go down to, I don't want to mention any of the retail locations, but you know, right. you can go down to the store, pick up an AR 15. In some cases, it's, you know, you can carry it around and walk into Walmart with it. <laughs> probably where you bought it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And then if you can somehow justify it through forms of mental illness, through just a, a, an accumulation of tragedies in your own life and, and awful things, or just the driving of rage in this country by especially one particular political party, right? where rage has now become synonymous with that party's brand, grievances, you know, I, here's me, you know, I'm of the most privileged class in the history of the United States, and yet I feel aggrieved because whatever, because of trans people or because of uh, Black Lives Matter or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. Fox News is telling them. You right. know, sometimes when this happens, I, I, I take a look at the far-right media, and I wonder if on some level, some of the showrunners and executive producers of some of these shows, whether they're podcasts or cable news channels or whatever, I wonder if it ever occurs to them, even on a very uh, superficial level, where they get it and they understand it and then they go, well, fuck it, what are you going to do? I got to do my job. Right. I wonder if at some point whether they're going to start to go. And I'm, again, I'm talking about the people who are behind the scenes, of shows like Sean Hannity or Laura Ingram or Jesse Waters' Stupid Thing or The Five or whatever, Greg Gutfeld. Uh, mm -hmm. I wonder, if those guys aside, because they're, in a lot of ways, they're just the mouthpieces of what they're fed from the writer's rooms and the showrunners and the executives handing down the talking points and so on. I wonder if, if those people go, you know what, <sighs> maybe this is partly due to our radicalization of people in this country for profit, by the way. Yeah. It's radicalization for ad revenue. It's beyond just talking about certain issues and policy solutions. It's now just about radicalizing people. Mm -hmm. Do they ever grapple with the consequences of their actions? I don't know. I don't think so. 
And I feel like at some point there needs to be a reckoning because democracy cannot continue to coexist with this notion that, well, I can't convince anyone using my word, so I'm just going to shoot my way to solutions. Yeah. I mean, after all, we, our elected leaders do that all the time. I mean, well, you know, they were elected by God. <laughs> exactly right. Yes, we're, we are going to talk about Mike Johnson here in a second. Um, and, and he actually said that, which is he did, which is which fucking means crazy. Biden was also elected by God. So, yeah, don't yeah. fuck with Biden. I mean, even our Democratic leaders, and I'm going to put this all into one big thing. I'm not trying to both sides or anything like that. You guys know me. Mm-hmm. But we so often want to solve problems in a foreign policy sense using weapons of war. And that is, in many cases, justified because there is no other way. Uh, Russia invades Ukraine. We have to arm the Ukrainians in order to preserve democracy in Europe. Make sure Putin doesn't decide to start uh, reacquiring some of those former Soviet bloc nations. Uh, starting with uh, starting with Ukraine, mm-hmm. so you you have to do these things. So, what kind of example does that set? That well, you know what? Look, our our leadership is doing it. All of our heroes in the movies are posed with firearms. I mean, hell, I'm sitting here as a vocal opponent of firearms, and I'm looking behind me in my office here, and I'm seeing all kinds of effigies of firearms all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, I have <laughs> statues, action figures, etc. Many of them are holding guns. And I'm someone who hates this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's the prevalence. That's the pervasiveness of the gun culture in this country. And I think, Jody, just speaking for the two of us, uh, we're relatively well-centered. <laughs> now mm-hmm. imagine people, and I'm, I'm going to preempt this, I'm not blaming Hollywood. I, that's, I'm not that guy. I'm not blaming heavy metal lyrics for promiscuity among teenagers. Right. Or devil worshiping or whatever the fear mongering was in the 80s and the PMRC and all that bullshit. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying what the, I'm just talking about the, uh, the various angles of our gun culture and, and how deeply ensconced, how deeply wound into our DNA it actually is. To the point where I'm, I'm sitting here as a vocal opponent of firearms, as a vocal opponent of the Second Amendment. And yet, I, I, I also own a firearm. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a silly firearm from 160 years ago, but it's a firearm. <laughs> it takes me a minute and a half to load it with one round. Right. But it's still a firearm. I have one. I fired it. I actually fired lead out of it. It's an 1861 Springfield rifled musket. Wow. And I've, I've fired lead uh, mini balls out of it. <laughs> God damn. But that, that just goes to show you. I mean, I, I, I mean we, we used to sit here with Chez and talk about these mass shootings when they were happening. Sandy mm-hmm. Hook. Uh, Chez was still yeah. around for Sandy Hook. And we talked about, uh, you know, the fact that he owned a firearm. He, had a, he owned a, uh, I think it was a Glock. I think he owned a Glock. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wasn't proud of it. He understood it was because he has a daughter and he was being paternalistic. He was like, okay, well, if my daughter's here, I got to protect my daughter. So anyway, there's uh, my little rant about uh, all of <laughs> that this. That was very well done. Yeah, I, 
Thank you. Thank you. I know. Oh, shut up, audience. Come on. All right, right, we got to talk about Mike Johnson and his ascendancy to Speaker of the House and all the various awful things surrounding him. He's basically, I've been saying this the last uh, 24 hours or so, he's basically Tim Kazarinski from Police Academy, but (laughs) but he's a monster. (laughs) He's He's one of these guys, we've talked about this before, like he's got all the Trump things, but it's packaged in a variable, very reasonable, um, centered kind of sounding guy until you listen to his words. And then you're like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That guy's a monster. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, we've got some great news on the GDP defying expectations. Dark Brandon wins again. Yeah. Now that, that you applaud. In fact, that also gets a, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So, and then we got to talk about uh, Judge, is it Angoron or Angoron? I've been saying Angoron. I think it's Angoron. That's how I've right. been hearing it. Yeah. So. I heard Chris Hayes last night say Angoron. And so I have no idea. But we're going with Angoron. I'm going to say yeah. Angoron. Yeah. Um, Judge Angoron spanked Donald Trump yesterday, which I love every bit of this particular story. So we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. I am going to do something that we seldom do on this show. But we do it occasionally. Uh, I'm going to play a song coming out of this commercial break by Matt Jaffe. And I'm dedicating this to the uh, families and victims uh, in Lewiston, Maine. I'm going to play the whole song. I'm going to play the entire Matt Jaffe track here because I I think it uh, reflects a lot of what we're thinking now. So we're going to take a short break and when we come back, this uh, track from Matt Jaffe called Raise the Dead and a lot more podcasting right after these words. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska! 
Jaffe. Holy shit. It's beautiful. Yeah. A song called Raise the Dead. I got a link in the description to support that. Uh, One of the best there is, Matt Jaffe. So I uh, strongly urge you to uh, support his music. And uh, God, how do you get through that song without without feeling choked up? I know I certainly do. There's a a glimmer of hope in there, too, which Mm -hmm. is so welcome. And he he wrote this song, recorded this song after the uh, Pulse nightclub shooting. And so when you think about it in, in that context, too, it's uh, especially poignant. So uh, once again, the great Matt Jaffe in a song called Raise the Dead. He's got a great voice. Too. Yeah. One of, she's one of the greatest uh, uh, independent recording artists of our time. Absolutely. 
All right, so uh, moving along here on the Big Thursday Show, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a little bit different, a little bit different tone than we normally have, uh, but uh, obviously circumstances are dictating that. So, uh, But we got to talk about Mike Johnson and <laughs> this guy who is, uh, as I said before the break, one of those guys who um, says horrible things but looks and sounds reasonable when he's saying them. Oh, which totally. Is, very deceptive, very, yeah, very clever and weird and a little bit terrifying or a lot terrifying, depending on what he's talking about. I wrote up a bit of a rap sheet on this guy for the Banter newsletter yesterday, thebanter.substack.com. So I covered a lot of this uh, in, in that context. But just to repeat some of the things I mentioned, obviously, we've been reading about his position on the LGBTQ community. He wants to, uh, he's supported in the past criminalization of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. he, he called it an inherently unnatural and dangerous lifestyle. He's also very wrong. It is very natural. It is in more species than just humans. Of so course, He yeah. can fuck the right off. <laughs> exactly right. And he said it would lead to legalized pedophilia and possibly even destroy, quote, the entire democratic system. You know, the democratic system that Mike Johnson himself voted against in 2020. Yes, but we should be deeply concerned about the gays, right? And there's no linkage whatsoever between the existence of the LGBTQ community and the democratic system. He's nuts. In another editorial, he wrote, your race, creed, and sex are what you are, while homosexuality and cross-dressing are things you do, he wrote. Oh, Lordy. This is a free country, but we don't give special protections for every person's bizarre choices. Wow. Yes. Uh, you know what? If we're talking about bizarre choices, I think a bizarre choice is getting up on the House dais after being elected Speaker of the House and saying, I was put here because of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, that's in incorrect. Your stupid voters voted you in. <laughs> right. Ironically, democracy put you there, Mike. Yeah, fucker. Democracy that he opposes. Mm-hmm. Oh, and by the way, it gets worse. He said here, homosexual relationships are inherently unnatural and the studies clearly show are ultimately harmful and costly for everyone. Society cannot give its stamp of approval to such a dangerous lifestyle. If we change marriage for this tiny modern minority, we will have to do it for every deviant group. Oh, this is the old yarn of, well, mm -hmm. soon we're going to be marrying dogs. Yeah. Poly yeah. Polygamists, polyamorous pedophiles and others will be next in line to claim equal protection, he said. They already are. <laughs> My God, there, mm -hmm. he, he doesn't understand the idea of consent at all. Right. Because the, the key component is about consent. Yeah. Right. And that's it's, a it's, major, major prong of the dynamics yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing John Fugelstein talks about constantly. Yeah. It's not sodomy. If it's, cons I mean, it is sodomy technically, I guess, but um, I mean, it's with, and also, they only talk about sodomy between men in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Right. They do not talk about ladies. Mm -hmm. And that whole story is about rape. It's not about consensual love. Exactly. And you know what? So much of what Paul, not Jesus, wrote mm -hmm. about lying with people of the same gender mm -hmm. 
was a reaction to the kind of institutionalized homosexuality among the Roman pagans. Exactly. Christianity wanted to separate itself, in a sense, from that culture and obviously create this new religion that was different from the Roman paganism in the mm -hmm. ancient times. And one of the things they decided would distinguish Christianity from Roman paganism is to not have these, you know, bacchanalia orgies. Right. That were happening uh, among Romans. So it was like, okay, well, you guys are doing that. Then we're going to do the opposite. That's essentially where that came from. Jesus didn't say a single goddamn word. I love mm -hmm. saying goddamn in the context of something Jesus said. Uh, I think it's right. I think it's appropriate. I think he would approve. <laughs> right. I think he'd be fine with that. Right. It's a goddamn thing about gayness. One of the reasons being is that in the ancient times, the concept of homosexuality, that word, that idea didn't exist in ancient times. There right. was, I mean, were, the Romans weren't walking around talking about homosexuals, saying homosexuals. Right. It wasn't a thing. And so to say that somehow uh, Jesus or Paul or anyone was like condemning homosexuality is a misnomer because the idea of homosexuality as a construct did not exist then. But, okay, all of that aside, the, the other thing that's not getting a whole lot of discussion about Mike Johnson is that he also worked for this outfit called the Alliance Defending Freedom. This is according to The Guardian. This Alliance Defending Freedom and I'm quoting directly from this article, supported the recriminalization of sexual acts between consenting, there's that word, LGBTQ plus adults in the United States and criminalization abroad, defended state-sanctioned sterilization of trans people abroad, contended that LGBTQ plus people are more likely to engage in pedophilia and claimed that a homosexual agenda will destroy Christianity and society. So, yes, uh, Mike Johnson supports forced state-sanctioned sterilization uh -huh. of trans people. I'm going to get to the upshot of all of this here in just a second. But continuing down the rap sheet, Johnson has also co-sponsored legislation by Marjorie Taylor Greene called the Protect Children's Innocence Act that would make it a crime to provide gender-affirming care to people under 18 years of age. So Mike Johnson himself is a disciple of the nutbags on the Daily Wire podcasts. Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, Candace Owens, who, because they need content for their show, because they're involved in this relentless grift, divorcing suckers from their checking accounts to buy Matt Walsh's bearded baby doll, whatever the fuck that is, uh, that's who Mike Johnson is in league with, in a sense, with wow, this, yeah. this particular legislation. On top of being in league with Marjorie Taylor Greene, which is enough to sound the cuckoo alarm. Johnson also supports the criminalization of abortion services and a national ban. He voted against the Violence Against Women Act and the Women's Health Protection Act. Yeah, he hates women. He's a climate crisis denier. Mm -hmm. a according to New York Magazine, he was the most important architect of the 2020 coup. Mm -hmm. The congressional prong of that plot to overturn the 2020 election. So, yeah, shocker that among all of his other oppressive views and votes, he's also anti-democracy. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this makes him a hero among the uh, Trump-owned MAGA Republican Party. Okay, so I promise the upshot of all of this, Jody. 
which is that <laughs> this is going to be bad news ultimately for the Republicans. Yeah. Because knowing how the 2022 election landed and the reasons for why the 2022 midterms turned out the way they did, the Republicans are now doubling down on all of that. Yep. Anti-abortion, I mean, to an extremist radical degree. Plus, uh, you know, the whole denying of the 2020 election. These are things that are going to drive independents out to vote for Democrats. So in the end, don't you think this is all's well that ends well for, you know, democracy if if it plays out that way? Obviously, we go back to something that you and I were talking about, Jody, when it came to whether it was Jim Jordan or any else, anyone else from the uh, Rodeo Clown Caucus becoming Speaker of the House. Yeah, Mike Johnson is number two for the presidency is number two in line, which is uh, horrifying, frightening. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But then again, you know what? How far off was Kevin McCarthy from these positions? Not. I mean, didn't Kevin McCarthy vote to overturn a 2020 election or didn't he support that effort? I I think I for, he did. I, I don't forget. remember. Y- yeah, there was 147 yeah. of them, so I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, there were quite a few. And I don't know that Kevin McCarthy's position on abortion is all that different from Mike Johnson. Um, obviously, no, yeah, Mike Johnson's got some really uh, hinky connections and ideas about the LGBTQ community that I'm not entirely sure that Kevin McCarthy had. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this was always a, a risk when the Republicans took over the House of Representatives and will continue to be a risk next year when uh, the 2024 mm-hmm. election takes place. So this means all hands on deck. And, you know, along those lines... Speaking of the 2024 election, someone named uh, Jody Hamilton tweeted this. Oh, who is that? Oh, wait, that oh, would wait, be that's, me. Oh, <laughs> wait, that's you. How can I forget? There you go. Everyone mm-hmm. stop worrying about the certification of the 24 election. If, and that's a big if, we all vote out the GOP and the House and Senate in 2024, Johnson won't be speaker on 1625. The new House and Senate are seated on 1325, mm-hmm. so he and his ilk can't fuck it up, vote blue. Very well said. Extraordinary. Well, I mean, you know, somebody asked me, like, can they change that? I, uh, no. no. I mean, that that's not going to change. It's just how it works. I don't know if it's constitutional at this point because we used to have the inauguration in March. I know that's moved up to January mm-hmm. by legislation. But regardless, the House and the Senate have to be seated before the certification of the presidency because that's in the Constitution. So yeah. yeah. Regardless of when that they can't move it past the president being certified because the new house and the new the new Congress has to certify <sighs> people. Civics needs to be taught again. <laughs> That's right. Or at least familiarity with a calendar. Yeah. That may be helpful too. Yeah. But you're exactly right. So I mean ultimately this comes down to once again democracy. It comes down mm-hmm. to Democrats hustling, bringing the energy, uh, not getting complacent and turning out to vote in overwhelming numbers so that there can be no fuckery. I mean, it was kind of close in the midterms, but the Democrats mm-hmm. came out ahead, given the expectations, given the uh, landscape of those midterms. What usually happens during the first term of a, a president of his own party, what happens to his own party in Congress. And it was still kind of tight in 2020. I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't have a winner uh, on election night. In fact, uh, Donald Trump was insisting that he won on election night before some yes, of those ballots came in overnight, right? 
Mm-hmm. So what we have to do is I, I, and I think we can do this. I think we got to do better in 20, in 2024 than we did in 2022 and 2020. We got to do way better to overcome the fuckery. And it always seems like that's the position that we've been in where we're constantly scrambling to stay one he- step ahead of the mm-hmm. ridiculousness, right? Whether it's voter ID or voter suppression or gerrymandering or uh, any post-election lawsuits that will be inevitable because Donald Trump's going to be on the ballot. Mm-hmm. Oh, a couple of other things here about Mike Johnson. While ce- celebrating Roe v. Wade being overturned, he called for doctors to be imprisoned at hard labor for one to ten years if they provide reproductive health care. There's an actual tweet of him saying this. So prison and hard labor for doctors who give health care to women. And Charlie Pierce reminded us, by the way, the new speaker of the house is a creationist. Pass it uh-huh. on. Yeah. You know, I, okay, look. He doesn't watch Jurassic Park movies. <laughs> right. I get the idea of being part of an organized religion. I was Catholic for the first 18, 20 years of my life. I understand it. I understand if you want to worship in a congregation, that's fine. It belongs in the church and in the congregation. It doesn't belong on the floors of Congress. Congress is a secular body. And now we've stuck this guy who has these ideas that are better suited for a six-year-old into the role of Speaker of the House. And I'm talking about creationism. Creationism to me is, okay, creationism is the most childish aspect of organized religion. This notion that this being who has a beard and lives in the clouds snapped Mm -hmm. his fingers and over the course of seven days created the entire universe. And it only happened 3000 years ago or whatever it was, whatever the, what is the creationism thing that goes back 3,500 years? I think 6,000. I think we're at 6,000 because they have to, they have to count the old Testament. That's right. That's right. So 6,000 so. as opposed to hundreds of billions of years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, yeah. So that guy is the speaker of the house guy believes in creationism where God snapped his fingers and there were Adam and Eve and hello and the snake and the apple and all that nonsense. He's a literalist when it comes to that. He also thinks America is a biblical Republic. Tell me as I play this bit of audio of Mike Johnson, that he doesn't sound like any rando, like troll with zero followers in your replies on Twitter. You know, we don't live in a democracy because a democracy is two wolves and a lamb deciding what's for dinner, okay? It's not just majority rule, it's a constitutional republic. And the founders set that up because they followed the biblical admonition on what a civil society is supposed to look like. It's, we're, we don't live in a democracy. No. Says the new speaker of the house who was elected through democracy and has voted against it. Yep. The Republican position on democracy is, uh, how could you term this? Complicated? That's a good, that's very kind of you. <laughs> it is. Contradictory and fucking stupid, I think, are two other ways to describe it. He also has maybe the most extremist position on abortion as well. Yeah. This is Mike Johnson talking about uh, Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade gave constitutional cover to the elective killing of unborn children in America, period. You think about the implications of that on the economy. We're all struggling here to to cover the bases of Social Security and Medicare and Medicaid and all the rest. If we had all those able-bodied workers in the economy, we wouldn't be going upside down and toppling over like this. Listen, I will not yield. I will not. (laughs) 
<laughs> Roe was a terrible corruption about? of America's constitutional jurisprudence. Yeah, there he is. Uh, he's just full of shit. And, um, <laughs> Very well uh, said. <laughs> the difference between him and Jim Jordan is he wears a jacket and has glasses. I mean, that's right. That's it. Yes, he, he looks like Tim Kazarinski from Police Academy. And then he starts talking and it's like, fuck, man. Holy God. I hope all the independent voters are hearing this. In fact, Jonathan Martin from Politico tweeted a, uh, a sage Democrat texted to Jonathan Martin. Basically, Republicans are going to elevate a speaker who tried to overthrow the election and backs an abortion ban. The two issues we won on in 2022. What are they thinking? Yeah. I agree with that assessment. Yeah. No. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Yes, not very smart. <gasps> I know it's shocking. <laughs> All right, when I we come back, we're going to talk. When we come back, we've got some uh, good news, some some actual fun news. We're going to talk about the GDP and uh, Dark Brandon defying expectations, plus uh, uh, Judge Angoran. Ang- Angoran. We're going to talk about Judge Angoran. Putting Trump on there the stand is. and finding him $10,000. Yes, we're going with Angeron. That's the official pronunciation of the Bob Seska show. Thank you very much. Okay, short break. Back with more show right after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. Another story for the day, contemporary news. Someone shot their gun again, someone got to choose. Take a life not of their own Take somebody's breath A second for the bullet Is a lifetime for the rest But it's too soon to talk about tomorrow And it's too soon to talk about today Seth Adam. Yeah, I love Seth Adam. He uh, is one of the best of the best. There's a song called The Blood It Runs. Fucking guns, he says. Yeah. Awesome. Link in the description to support Seth Adam here. And also that Matt Jaffe song we played. Please uh, download both of these tracks. Support these recording artists. Got to support these independent recording artists. If we don't, 
who's going to do it? Who's going to do it? I'm telling you. The terrorists win. Exactly. I'm guilting you into now supporting all the independent recording artists we play here on the show. That's the idea. They give me music to play out of commercials, and I tell you to go buy that music. That's the whole, that's the relationship here. Plus, I love all of these songs, and I love all of these recording artists. It's an honor to feature them here on the show. It's my one of my favorite things about doing this podcast. Okay. Getting back into things, uh, third quarter GDP has defied expectations, 4.9%. The great irony in all of this, Jody, is in the most recent, I want to say, Bloomberg poll, uh, Joe Biden's approval rating on the economy was 35%. That makes no sense to me. Uh, It doesn't make any sense to me either. And I'm looking incredulously at the news media as I say that, because we've got huge GDP growth. There has been no recession, which has been predicted for months, if not years. And we've got record job growth. We've got a Dow that's well over 33,000. So what the fuck? Where's the disconnect here? Why aren't people getting it? These are the same metrics we've been using to ballyhoo or to condemn presidents and administrations for as long as there have been these numbers. For as long as we've been an industrialized nation. These have been the metrics that we go by. Suddenly they don't matter. It doesn't, oh, it's irrelevant that there's 4.9% GDP growth. And there's been steady growth throughout the year too. Mm-hmm. Steady expansion yeah. from I think it was uh, first quarter was something like two, then the second quarter was two and a half, mm-hmm. third quarter four point nine percent. And you know one of my favorite things to do whenever there's great news for Joe Biden, great news for the republic, great news for the economy, is I like to go to Fox News and see how Fox News is reporting on the good news. Here's. <laughs> Here's what happened on Fox News Channel this morning with uh, Lando's co-pilot from Return of the Jedi, uh, Maria Bartiromo, <laughs> reporting on the GDP numbers uh, today. The GDP is out. I want to get right now to Jerry Willis and get that breaking news. Jerry. Yeah, Maria, that's right. We've got GDP at 4.9%. That is the first street on third quarter GDP. That is a surprise on the upside. Mm-hmm. We had been expecting consensus was 4.3%. You can see that's a big positive number. The Dow continues in negative territory. A big positive number, says Fox News Channel. There it is. Territory ahead of the open here. Look at this. 4.9% is well over twice second quarter GDP, which was 2.1%. First quarter GDP, 2%. So you can see some really strong expansion here, mostly. Really strong Strong expansion expansion. here. Yes. I'm just pulling out these quotes for use on the movie poster. (laughs) (laughs) Fox News Channel says, really strong expansion. And what she means is really strong economic expansion. Yep. All good news. Due to consumers, as you've been talking about right now, retail sales, of course, have been uh, strong looking in the rear view mirror. There was one stronger forecast out there, the Atlanta Fed. Oh, of course. Okay, here we go. This is what Fox News has got to do this. First of all, I should tell you that the graphic on the screen wasn't the 4.9% number or any graph showing. No, what they were showing was Dow futures down. Prior to open, when this was reported. Prior to open, and then all hell breaks loose good, and then I'm sure it's up today. Yes, exactly. So it's like, 
they've got to like temper the good news with shitty news on the screen, right? So they're talking about good things for Joe Biden, good things for the economy, of course, which is by proxy good things for America. But they've got to put the bad news up there too to mute it to like tear it down a little bit. Mayor, there was one stronger forecast out there. The Atlanta Fed, their GDP now forecast was 5.4% for the quarter. This quarter, of course, July to September, GDP- See, that's it. Like, okay, yeah, well, the Atlanta Fed, we've we've found them and they were saying in the fives. So I guess it's not such great news because see, Atlanta Fed, God damn it. (laughs) This pissed me off so much. P, the broadest read on economic growth, but wow, what a stunner. Actual coming in. Wow, okay, there's another thing for the movie poster. Wow, what a stunner. A stunner, I like that. (laughs) Yeah, me too, that's awesome. I I hope the Biden campaign is watching this clip or has a copy of this clip to use it in campaign commercials. I'm sure somebody's got it. I mean, super PACs, come on, super PACs. You know what to do. Use this. Do it. Come on, Lincoln Project. Do it. Do it. Yeah, Lincoln Project. Go, go. 4.9%. Maria. All right, Jerry, thanks very much. Markets are actually off of the lows. They're down to 109 on the Dow Industrials, down 104 on the NASDAQ. And I am talking with Keith Banks. Yeah, here comes knee and numb to tear everything down again. Yeah, let's see how the futures are way down, so fuck it. (laughs) Goddamn. These awful people. Oh, yeah, one last clip here. Um, This is actual Donald Trump bragging during his presidency, I think this was in 2018, when he got a GDP number uh, that was, I think, 3.2%. Here's Donald Trump bragging about 3.2% GDP growth. Look at GDP at 3.2%, and I think they're going to go much higher. I mean, we're doing so well. Uh, But if I would have said 3.2% to those people back there, nobody would have believed it. And we're doing 3.2%. Yeah, 4.9% MFR. Suck on that, Donald. Um, meantime, uh, speaking of Donald, Judge Engeron put a uh, little teeny tiny Donald Trump on the witness stand yesterday and fined him $10,000. The question I have for you, Jody, are you aware of any like thunderclaps or fire and brimstone when Donald Trump swore to tell the truth? Uh, <laughs> that was like when I, when I read that, that Donald Trump swore to tell the truth. I was just, I heard the like, the, the lightning and thunder, you know, enter the courtroom and scare the shit out of everybody. Yeah. I um, mean, it's, it's all right. Everybody's bitching and moaning about the fact that he's only been fined $10,000. Listen to Allison Gill on either uh, clean up on all 45 yeah. or on the Jack podcast, because the reason he was only fined $5,000 the first time, because he had never done it before. Yeah. And so you screwed up. I'm going to fine you probably the max that no, most people would be fine. Mm-hmm. But then he did it again. Yeah. So then it doubled. So if he keeps doing it, eventually it's actually going to cost him some real money. Though I don't think he has money. I think he's just going to tell people, I need your money. Because stupid people that can't, I'm sorry, misinformed, poorly led <laughs> you can people. Say, you can say stupid, Jody. That's okay. Um, who can't pay their car payment or their insurance or feed themselves on occasion <laughs> yeah. are paying him $5 or $25 a month mm-hmm. in perpetuity because he's a billionaire. Right. You know what he's like? He reminds me of uh, Bender from The Breakfast Club in that scene where he keeps getting more and more detentions. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, now I've got you next Saturday. And he's like, yeah. so? And then, okay, next Saturday, the Saturday after that. I don't care. And then the next Saturday. And he just he's going to mm-hmm. keep racking these up because he can't help himself. Yeah. The only downside to this occurring yesterday is the fact that there wasn't video of the actual exchange when Donald Trump took the stand. So in lieu of that, I'm going to read this. This is uh, from The Hills reporting on what happened in the courtroom. So it's important to paint the picture of what went on, because anytime Donald Trump is cornered or in distress, it makes me so happy. Me too. (laughs) What did Malcolm Nance say the other day about my erection can't get any harder? (laughs) (laughs) When Trump took the stand, Judge Arthur Angeron asked him about a comment he made to reporters regarding, quote, very partisan judge with a person who is very partisan sitting alongside him, perhaps even more partisan than he is. The trial judge suggested that the person Trump was referring to was his principal law clerk, who is seated just to the right of the judge, which Trump denied. The gag order earlier imposed barred Trump and other parties in the case from speaking about the judge's staff. Trump nodded, then responded, yes. And then Engeron asked, to whom are you referring? And Trump said, you and Cohen, meaning Michael Cohen. Right. And then the judge said, are you sure that you didn't mean the person on the other side? My principal law clerk, Engeron asks. And then Trump said, yes, I'm sure. The former president, when prompted, added that he believes the judge's clerk, quote, is very biased against us and explained that he took down the previous Troth Central post that sparked the gag order. On the witness stand, Trump said he believed, quote, one of the political groups or PACs, unquote, left the post up, echoing comments his attorney Chris Keis made when the post's presence on his campaign website was discovered. Quote, I didn't know they were going to do that, Trump said. Through his short testimony, Trump maintained a glum face and looked intently at the judge. When he trailed back to his seat, he kept his eyes on the floor, (laughs) like a punished, spanked little boy. Yeah, he is a punished spank little boy because he's a he he can't handle it when people call him out on anything. No, and that's one of the best things about this because he ultimately can't wiggle out of this. He can't use no. his own he can't use his tried and true tactics to wiggle out of all of this trouble. So once Trump was seated, Angerin issued his order fining Trump ten thousand dollars, which he called on the liberal side. As a trier of fact, I find that the witness is not credible. Angerin said. So what he's referring to by saying Donald Trump is not credible is that Donald Trump tried to make it out as if he was referring to Michael Cohen and not the clerk. Mm-hmm. So Judge Engeron completely dismissed Trump's explanation that it was Michael Cohen he was, he was referring to as being partisan. After the fine was imposed, Cohen retook the stand to continue his cross-examination by Clifford Robert, an attorney for Trump's sons. Cohen's apparent contradictions began to catch up with him when confronted with his testimony and previously glowing words about his ex-client being used against him. Robert presented Cohen with a transcript from his 2019 testimony about Trump's business practices, the same testimony that New York Attorney General Letitia James had said inspired her case against Trump. At that time, Cohen had said that Trump did not direct him to inflate his net worth, which directly contradicted testimony he gave earlier this week. Quote, Mr. Trump never directed you to inflate the numbers in his personal statement. Yes or no. 
Robert asked Cohen after a heated back and forth where Cohen avoided answering the question. Yes, Cohen said. Trump threw his hands in the air and looked around the room, as did another of his attorneys, Alina Haba. Bless you. Yeah, thank you. Robert asked for an immediate directed verdict after asserting that the government's key witness testified he was not directed by Trump to inflate the numbers. Without skipping a beat, Engeron denied the order. Trump scoffed, stood abruptly, and stormed out of the courtroom in a huff. His Secret Service detail followed, leaving the gallery in stunned silence. And then in the hallway, Trump said, the witness just admitted that we won the trial and the judge should end this trial immediately. Thank you. And then he plunked out of the room like he always does. So what a whiny diaper baby he is. Well, he <laughs> just, shit. he's never, I mean, since military school, he's probably never been told no. Yeah, well, and also, uh, Michael Cohen didn't admit that he won the trial at all. Of course all. not. No, I mean, he's just like saying words. He had to say something when he got out there. And I, I love when he does this, because what he does is he steps out of the courtroom, walks up to that barricade, and then before he says anything, he kind of puts his hands in that accordion position. So he like gets himself in the ready position, and the only thing that came out of his mouth was, yeah. <laughs> The witness just admitted that we won the trial and the judge should end this trial immediately. Okay, sure, whatever you say, Biff. It was just it has no bearing on anything. It's gonna, there's going to be no consequences as a result of this, other than continuing to tell his sucker disciples who already believe him that the judge in, and the trial is over. This is ludicrous. Meantime, Dan Goldman tweeted that Trump actually committed perjury on the stand. I don't know if that will be an actionable thing. My guess is it won't be, but it is kind of perjury. If yeah. Donald Trump's, you know, said, oh, it was Michael Cohen I was talking about, but it wasn't, it was the clerk. Yeah. So, and again, I don't know if we're, if maybe Donald Trump has an issue with the difference between left and right. <laughs> maybe he doesn't have that down yet, but uh, elsewhere, we're to, let's move on to the uh, Jack Smith, January 6th case uh, where we have a, uh, a news report from uh, newsman Buzz Burbank. Do you know who Buzz Burbank is? Yes. I've heard of him. Yes. I've I, heard of him. I, I've heard of him too. He reported in a long court brief, special counsel Jack Smith's asking the judge in Trump's federal J6 trial to reimpose a gag order on him and to impose stricter punishments, including jail time. Smith yep. is concerned Trump continues to comment about witnesses, including Mark Meadows. And yes, of course, Donald Trump has gone on to attack Mark Meadows. Uh, yeah, uh, as a consequence of all of this. So that continues on and on and on. And at some point, they've got to clamp down with more uh, or, or more extensive gag orders mm -hmm. before someone gets killed. But the very idea that he's attacking one witness it shouldn't be limited to the fact that, oh, well, we've got to protect Mark Meadows or we've got to protect the clerk. When he attacks a witness or he attacks a staffer, it's not just a, an attack on those people. It's an attack on everyone involved who's yeah. on the other side, on the prosecution side. He's sending a signal to other people. I mean, just by denigrating the court in, in its entirety, he is, of course, polluting the uh, jury pool. 
which is another uh, case that Jack Smith is making in all of this. So, again, we got to look at this uh, writ large. We got to look at this in terms of the broader scope of what Donald Trump is trying to achieve through these attacks. It's not just about Meadows. It's not just about Michael Cohen. It's a signal. It's a warning. I mean, he's already threatened. There's a piece here in uh, Mediaite about a Troth Central post that he put up there where he was threatening more retribution. He said here on Troth Central, I will soon be leaving for crooked Joe Biden's political opponent court in lower Manhattan. I have a very partisan and angry judge, a corrupt attorney general, and I'm not allowed a jury trial under the statute they have chosen to use for the very first time ever. That, of course, is all a gigantic lie. The good news that even the fake news is seeing is that the facts are all on my side. Yeah, no, the news media isn't seeing that. I built a great company far bigger and stronger than anyone has assumed in all caps. This is a rigged trial right out of a banana republic, but sadly, it gives the Republicans the right to do the same thing when we resume office. There it is. So paybacks, paybacks are coming. And they're going to be baseless, by the way. And then he said, and remember, crooked Joe Biden is the most corrupt and incompetent president in the history of the U.S. Very fertile ground there. No idea what that means. But very bad for our country. This unfair political witch hunt is causing companies to leave New York at a record pace. They don't want this to happen to them. So he's kind of... You can't let that happen to me! So that's what he's saying, the, (laughs) the companies are saying. Yeah, uh, Republicans are right to do the same thing when we assume office. I think the very fertile ground there, what he's talking about there, is Joe Biden is open to attack for corruption and incompetence. Oh, please. That's, That's what he's kind of saying. Oh, please. Oh, please. Okay, we've got more to come on the big Shadow Docket show on our Patreon page. Please join us over there. There's a great new chat thing. And that's what I'm calling it. It's a chat thing. This is, you know what? It's a chat thing. It's in the uh, Patreon app, so you got to download the Patreon app to use the chat room. It's really hopping right now. Everyone's there. I'm there. All the uh, usual commenters on the Patreon page, supporters are there. So join us, why don't you? Patreon.com slash Bob Show. Plus, you can listen to the Shadow Docket every Tuesday and Thursday if you sign up for $5 a month. All right? So we're going to see you over there. We're going to talk about, oh, my God, we've got some good news for the podcast. This is some uh, accolades for the podcast that I'm going to be bragging about here coming up. All right, we're going to see you over there. Take care, folks. Bye-bye.